We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to ASMR with Liz. Welcome to the Holy Hour. I am Liz Ball, and I'm going to be hosting by myself today. And um, it's because Amelia is visiting with her freshly vaccinated parents in Florida. So um, don't worry, we're not breaking up. I think uh, that would be the most devastating breakup of my life if I we ever did. Oh God, why did I say that? Um, knock on wood. Uh, so I will be hosting alone slash with my cat grandpa he's sitting right next to me licking his belly quiet for the first time in his entire cat life um (laughs) I think I'm so nervous to host by myself because it's my personal nightmare is just like other people hearing my incessant inner monologue (laughs) that's pretty much what this is gonna be (laughs) so uh i hope that you enjoy it and um our inner monologues can relate to each other so before i get started with anything i just wouldn't feel comfortable if i don't just start by saying like what uh is on my heart and on my mind while i record today um and i'm sure a lot of you might be in the same headspace as me um Today, I'm recording on the 17th, there was a racially motivated hate crime that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, this white guy um, killed eight people in a few different spas because um, he saw them as areas of temptation because he blames Asian women for his sex and porn addiction. For those of you who have been listeners since the beginning or even brand new listeners, I'm sure you know that both Amelia and I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of a lot to say about something like this. But at the end of the day, like where I'm going to leave it at is, um, you know, this is an example of fetishization of Asian women. And that's racist in itself. And um, 
fetishization is just another form of objectification, and this is also misogynistic. And uh, I know that Amelia has shared in her link tree some resources, um, and I'm going to add the same ones to our link tree in our bio, so check those out. So I had a couple of things in mind that I wanted to talk about um, today that uh, you guys have, you know, requested for me. So um, I did an Ask Me Anything little thing on Instagram, and I literally meant anything like ask me for advice, ask me uh, personal questions, because I have given up (laughs) any sense of privacy that I will ever have again. Um, But we can start with some easy questions. So someone asked um, how I met my boyfriend, and uh, I won't lie, like, I feel like when I talk about my boyfriend, it's just like, (laughs) because I feel this way sometimes when other people talk about their partner, Uh, but your eyes kind of glaze over, but I'll like... Uh, get through pretty quickly pretty much we met on hinge uh he (laughs) I messaged him actually I was like going through profiles and um I thought he was cute and then he had a picture of him dressed as Wednesday Adams and that's like one of my go-to costumes because I've been told I look like Christina Ricci since I was a literal child and I was like you mean the Wednesday Adams girl great (laughs) and now now I think it's rad but Uh, he was dressed as Wednesday Adams and he's like a foot taller than me. So I also have a pic, I had a picture of me dressed as Wednesday Adams. So I was like, okay, if you're going to be Wednesday, can I be Lurch? And then he did not reply, which is a fire pickup line in my opinion. He didn't reply. And this was in my phase of like, I don't want a boyfriend. I'm not looking for a relationship. I don't even really know what I'm looking for. And then um, something in me was just like, this guy is so cute and he's not going to ignore me. (laughs) So I uh, messaged him again and I was like, this was probably three days later. And I was like, I think you're cute and I'm not trying to like date seriously. So if that's okay with you and you're interested in that, here's my phone number. And then um, he followed up with me pretty quickly and the rest is history. (laughs) Uh, so that's, that's how we met. And then, um, I got another question, like tips for work-life balance. And this is something that when I saw this question, I was like, I'm struggling with this myself right now. Like I have been, I'm usually pretty good with, uh, with my work-life balance, um, just because in the past I haven't been, and it took a serious toll on my like emotional stability. I felt like a firecracker. Like I could have just gone off at any second. And, um, I don't know about some of you, but the way that like my anxiety shows up is I get really irritable and spicy and not in a fun way. And I don't want to be spicy if it's not fun. So, um, getting that under control is the thing that was most helpful for me. And like the biggest change I've seen in myself, Uh, but lately, you know, work's unpredictable sometimes. Sometimes you're going to be really busy and that's where I'm at right now. But I liked this question because it reminded me that I need to keep myself grounded too. But, um, 
(laughs) it's easy for me to preach this and all I can do is encourage you guys to do the same thing, but, um, I'm really protective of my time. Like I, I, I want my time to be respected when I'm at work. So, um, sure. Like if I'm like dicking around and I'm (laughs) I need to work late on something I know that's a result of my own consequence or like a consequence of my own actions because I was scrolling through TikTok for 45 minutes um so I outside of those scenarios I will only work my designated eight hours a day like I'm only going to work nine to five props to people who want to work all fucking day, but I don't want to do that. (laughs) Um, but I think the thing is being strict and not a pushover about my time. So work-life balance to me also goes outside of like extracurriculars. Like, um, I love this podcast so much, but it does require, um, dedication and concentration. It's definitely not work, but Like, my Liz time to me is, like, sleeping and and, uh, reading and watching TV. So that is something I would consider, like, life balance, like, life time. Um, And it could also include things like cleaning and stuff like that. So um, I just make sure I check in with myself before I say yes to something. And it could be anything at all, like... Um, just if it's hanging out with my boyfriend, like, of course I love him and I love spending time with him, but, uh, both of us are pretty independent people. So like, we're really respectful of the fact that like, sometimes you need some alone time. Sometimes you need some time to yourself to be a blob on your couch, um, or clean up around the house and do some laundry. Like it's so much easier to be like, yeah, I want to hang out with my boyfriend because that sounds so much more fun than doing chores or work. But uh, then you feel anxious because you put off all of these other things that make you feel good, like when your house is clean or when your fridge is full. Um, So just checking in with yourself is a huge part of uh, balance for me too is because like if you aren't giving to yourself first, and I mean giving to yourself like, Do you feel safe and happy in your regular environment? Because if not, you need to focus on you. And once that section of your life is fulfilled, you're going to be able to enjoy everything else. And um, I've been trying to focus on mindfulness a lot lately, like uh, living in the moment. And I know that sounds like YOLO-y or something like that, or like Pura Vida, but that I that's not how I mean it um like I mean living in the present um like being able to be in the moment that you're in and appreciate everything that is happening around you and like if you're having a good day to take a second and think about each thing that is making your day good and even if it's not like you know, something big happened that made your day good. It could be something as simple as like, I'm really enjoying this cup of coffee while the sun beams in my window. Like that's something pretty simple that we take for granted regularly because it's just like a regular event. (laughs) There's nothing big or uh, dramatic or romantic about it. And, um, 
I think that we shouldn't be ashamed to romanticize little everyday things. <laughs> oh, so uh, excuse the intermission hit us up with a question. And they asked, worst slash most boring movie you watched on a date? And I actually have a really good answer for this. So in college, I went on a date with a guy and um, he wouldn't stop fucking talking about Kings of Leon. Oh, and I was like, okay, I only knew that one song. Your sex is on fire, which like, who knows? Maybe it's about STDs. We're unclear. Um, but <laughs> then later that night, we're like our date. We like decided to make dinner together and we went to the grocery store and bought some like organic fancy vegetables because <laughs> he was going through a vegetarian phase. And then uh, we went back to his place and started making dinner and while we were eating we started watching he's like I want to show you this documentary on Kings of Leon and he had already watched it like twice or something so then I had to sit through this most this boring fucking documentary about Kings of Leon like I can't even name another song besides uh your sex is on fire (laughs) and I also can't even tell you anything about that fucking movie because I was not paying attention all I could think about was how annoyed I was that I was trying to have like a romantic date with this guy and he's making me watch a documentary on the kings of fucking Leon so that is the worst and most boring movie I've watched on a date hey what's up this is Tim Dowling writer of the average citizen blog and co-host of the new Average Citizen podcast. What is Average Citizen? Well, it's you, me, and everyone in between. We're all feeling a little overwhelmed and anxious at the state of our country right now. So join me and my co-host, Tom Creighton, as we research, discuss, debate, and explore some bigger pictures about America's future and the world. We're all in this together. Find us on the Chatter Network and at avgcitizen.com. Um, and this one, <laughs> they asked, uh, I want to hear your opinion on sex with eyes open versus eyes closed. This is so interesting. I've literally never thought of this. Like, uh, because usually I'm like too in the zone to pay attention to what my eyes are doing, if that makes sense. Um, oh my God, I guess I've never really thought this in depth about this question before. So like, I'm thinking about like, there gets to a point where my eyes are closed. Like if I'm about to orgasm, my eyes are closed. Like I'm on another planet. I am focusing on getting to, I guess the best I could think of, like the best comparison I could think of is it's like, when you are a woman trying to orgasm, you need to focus to get to the top. Like nothing around you can distract you because even, even just your thoughts, even your internal monologue is like, oh, this is amazing. Like you're in the zone. Like it feels really fucking great. And then you have a little intrusive thought that's like, oh, I need to make sure I do this tomorrow. (laughs) You're like, no, 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 no. Fuck off. I can't think about that right now. I'm, I'm I'm on a mission. And, um, that's why, like, I close my eyes towards the end because I'm like, I can't have additional stimulation, (laughs) zing, uh, pun intended. Um, so I have my eyes closed, but like when I'm thinking about watching a guy have sex, like, like it's a very like 
hot experience, you know, like you want to be making eye contact, you want them to be in your ear. Like, um, I guess like I prefer if we're like making eye contact and it doesn't have to be the entire time. Like there's always going to be a point where you're not seeing their face. And, uh, and I think ultimately it also comes down to like, what do we each look like when we're, when we're climaxing because <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes your your o face is like stupid looking I, uh I don't know like the focus face I know we've talked about that um so <laughs> like I'm self-conscious of what I look like because I have no idea what I look like when I come and I'm not about to <laughs> record myself <laughs> doing it but like I think uh I don't know. It just, it just really depends. I, it would be really weird to have sex with someone whose eyes were closed the entire time. Right? Like, and also are you kissing the whole time? I don't know. I have a lot of questions and I need to survey everyone. So, um, yeah, this listener asked us a great question and If you guys have thoughts, please DM them to us because I'm so curious what everyone thinks about that. (laughs) I want to know what, if your eyes are open or closed during sex and for how long and if your partner's eyes are open or closed and like what they do. (laughs) Sex drive with long-term partners seems to be down during COVID for a lot of girls in my circle. I know this is true for me for a myriad of reasons, but, uh but I was shocked that the majority of my friends felt the same exact way for the last few months. Are people kind of bored right now? So this is so interesting. And I actually, before I started recording, I had um, my therapy appointment and I had mentioned the question that I was going to answer, like this question that I was going to answer to my therapist. And like, I've talked to her about sex before too. And just, um, different things that I've experienced in my sex life. Uh, so she was like, well, what do you think? Like, how are you going to answer this? And like for a second, when I read this question, I was like, oh, sometimes I forget that like sex is a thing I can do. And I know that sounds weird because like this is a sex and dating podcast and like I would consider myself a pretty sexual person, especially, um, like in the earlier episodes, I was like really only looking for, um, a sex partner. And now that I'm in a relationship, like it's not because I'm bored with my partner. Like it's, I'm the happiest I've ever been. (laughs) And I think that might be a big part of it is, um, I kind of noticed, like, I think we all have experienced like a drop in, um, sex when we're in a relationship and there's so many different reasons that could be, but my therapist also pointed out, she was like, I mean, (laughs) you can't relate to this because like your relationship has only existed within COVID and it's, that was also a crazy thing to think about. (laughs) I'm in a COVID relationship. Um, but in my lo- my past long-term relationships, like I've lost interest in sex because my uh, emotional needs weren't being met. And now I wouldn't say I'm not interested in sex. I would say it's more like 
we know each other so much better and we're still continuing to get to know each other um, in different ways. And like the ways that we're intimate and vulnerable expand outside of just having sex. So like there are just more opportunities for us to feel connected and safe with each other that, and I like, it doesn't bother either of us. So, um, and it's not like neither of us are like, both of us are sexually satisfied. So, um, it, it's not a problem. I am also really curious what that means for people who are like living with their partners, like there could be so many different reasons that there is less interest in sex between partners. Like, um, my therapist and I have discussed before in the past that like women controlling sex is a way for them to have control in a relationship because oftentimes like there are things that we don't feel like we're in control of. And I think that's also a result of like, generational patriarchal bullshit (laughs) that we were all raised with uh and to believe and then we're like hey wait why am I miserable because of this (laughs) so I know that sometimes that that's how it can show up is um in sex and when you aren't emotionally fulfilled if you say no to sex that is control That is the control that you get to have when it comes to intimacy in your relationship with your partner. They're not going to be emotionally intimate with you, so you're not going to be sexually intimate with them. And um, I saw that a lot in my past relationships. Um, And I also was made to feel like because I was their partner, it was my job and expectation to have sex And I know I'm not the only one who's felt that way. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us raised in religious families were made to feel that way. Like, our body was never our own. So, um, that might not be the circumstance in, like, a a COVID environment. (laughs) And it might not just be, like, oh, we're bored. Um, It could also be, like, you see each other so much more now. And I don't think that's a bad thing, like... It just is less exciting because we're all living the same. We're living in Groundhog Day, seriously. So I feel like a lack of excitement in our lives in general could be a pretty big reason like why sex is less interesting. So one last topic that I wanted to talk about was HPV because I feel like not a lot of people know a lot about HPV. Um, I saw something on Twitter and I'm going to read the tweet to you guys. So, uh, this tweet says, um, (laughs) it's like a picture, a screenshot of an article and it says men who perform oral sex on women are quote, more at risk of mouth and throat cancers. And then the tweet says, it's 2018 and men are still disregarding the carcinogenic risk of eating pussy because they don't want their haggard, used-up girlfriend to think they're misogynistic or whatever. And then the person who retweeted that screenshot said, if eating pussy kills me, I died a noble death, (laughs) which is really funny. Um, And then when I retweeted it, I said, do men know they can get the HPV vaccine? And, um, I explored the conversation in that original tweet and, 
like there's just like a lot of there's just like a lack of information and a lot of misinformation which was surprising to me because the human papillomavirus is <laughs> i think um yeah 9 out of 10 people get it um and everything i'm about to say is um just based on my own research and also listening to the podcast this podcast will kill you they recently did an episode on hpv and it is super interesting and i highly recommend listening to it if you're curious about hpv um so the human papillomavirus has been around for a very long time and like even things like warts on your like feet and hands plantar warts those are hpv so most people have experienced like HPV in some sense by age eight. (laughs) So if you've gotten a plantar wart, you know, you have had HPV. (laughs) Um, and then the other types of HPV, like that people are talking about in like a sexual connotation, there's low risk HPV, um, which are genital warts. Uh, and then there's high risk HPV, which is like they it has no symptoms um and they're classified as low risk versus high risk because when you have low risk hpv um it's you you have very low risk of getting cancer but if you have high risk hpv you have a a much higher risk of getting cancer um and the thing about hpv is it goes away like most of the time it goes away and, um, it has like, it's what, what's called like a shedding period. And, um, it like sheds pretty aggressively. So like if you've ever gotten like a planter wart on your foot, like those things fucking spread like wildfire. I was in dance in uh, middle school and high school. And there, <laughs> there was like a time where like a bunch of the dancers got planter warts because someone was like, who had them was like walking around with no shoes on and then like everyone in the studio started to get them and I had to get a shot in my foot and it was the most painful experience I've ever had like right in the heel of my foot Ugh. so if you have an option to get it frozen off do that for sure but anyways I um, mostly want to focus on high-risk HPV so the tweet that I responded to this person said the risk is linked from infection with HPV. So don't eat somebody out with HPV for a start. And I mean, this is like a pretty ignorant statement because most of the time people don't know they have HPV. Um, the reason that nine out of 10% people get it is because you don't have to be having sex to get HPV. And, um, most of the time there are absolutely no symptoms and because there are no symptoms and because uh it's very likely that like i think something like i don't know 95% of people like clear hpv within the first 2 years with no risks and they never know they had it and um that's like part of it <laughs> there's no symptoms you clear it and uh f- there's no test for men there is no hpv test for men and um, women can get tested for HPV during their pap smear, but also like most uh, gynecologists won't test for HPV before age 30 
because of the high likelihood that you will get rid of it within the next two years. So um, insurances also don't cover you most of the time uh, before age 30 if you're getting tested for HPV. But also there's an alternative option to buy an at-home test for HPV. Um, I think like, what's it called? Like Everly Well or something like that. Yeah, Everly Well has an at-home HPV test you can buy for like 50 bucks, which would be probably about the same if... Uh, it actually might even be a little less if you went to your gynecologist and got tested for HPV and your insurance didn't cover it. So if you are very curious and have had abnormal pap smears, like it might be worth getting a, an HPV test. But um, that being said, it is cool that you can test yourself for it at home. And um, hopefully it becomes more affordable considering like, how many fucking people get HPV and don't even know it? The even cooler thing is there is a vaccine for higher for, for HPV. It covers nine different kinds of HPV. It's called Gardasil 9, and it is largely marketed towards women. And when it first started being marketed, it was, like, marketed as, like, towards, you know, girls who are 12, <laughs> like, teenagers, like, 12 to 18 or something, um... And it, it was like, they just didn't market it well as like, it, it was like seen as like, give this vaccine to your young girl so they can become sexually active sooner, essentially. But that's not what it is at all. Like when you get the vaccine during that, like at a younger age, it is more likely to be effective. And um, the vaccine isn't to prevent like <laughs> an STD, it's to prevent cervical cancer. So um, let's talk a little bit more about how HPV becomes cervical cancer. So when you listen to this podcast will kill you, they explain more of the science behind um, HPV and how it it's it's like a very smart virus essentially. Um, it embeds itself into your DNA. And that's how it changes the cells on your cervix. And they um, survive in like mucosal cells. So like, you know, think of like your mouth and genitals. I mean, the fact that they can like go undetected in your DNA, like undetected by, I'm just thinking of like cells and like little shields. And I know that's not correct, but that's why I work in marketing and I'm not a scientist. Um, but yeah, your body like has a harder time clearing it because it is a smart virus and, uh, embeds itself into your DNA and replicates itself there. So it can take like 15 to 20 years to develop into cancer, um, which is a pretty long time. However, like this is the first vaccine that can prevent a cancer. We could eradicate this type of cancer if we wanted to. And um, HPV doesn't only cause cervical cancer. It's also responsible for a large percentage of penile cancers and anal cancers and throat cancers. So this isn't like a woman's issue. Like this is an issue for everyone. Uh, and I think it's really fucking cool that <laughs> there's a vaccine for this. Um, like the fact that there's a type of cancer that we could eradicate if, you know, 
we were smart. (laughs) The two types of high-risk HPV that cause cancer are 16 and 18. And I know when I've like done research in the past, um, 18 and 45 are like lumped together. I don't really know what that's all about, but uh, Gardasil 9 protects against both 16 and 18. Men can get the vaccine too. And I think that's the biggest thing to drive home. Like all boys like every, every single person should get the HPV vaccine. Um, because, uh, just because women get cervical cancer doesn't mean men are exempt from getting cancer in some capacity. And it also doesn't mean that like, this is a woman's issue. It's not just an issue for people with cervixes. (laughs) This is an issue for everybody. Um, okay. So let's say like you are tested and you do test positive for high-risk HPV. So what the next steps would look like, they'll tell you what type of HPV you have because not all of the time your pap smear is abnormal doesn't mean you have HPV. So um, I'm sure when they do that, (laughs) they're also testing for it and they'll know what kind you have. And then after that, you, they'll request you go in again to get, um, it's called a colposcopy and it's pretty much a biopsy of your cervix. So they put like a liquid on your cervix and it lights up like where your abnormal cells are on your cervix. And then they will scrape a sample off to see like how intense it is. And then, um, like a few weeks later, they'll let you know what the results are and there's different levels and, um, there's like uh, level one, level two, level three, and level four is pre-cancer. And then after that is um, cervical cancer. So level one, they'll do like a wait and see type of thing. They'll just be like, because they don't know how long you've been carrying it. You know, you could have had it for three months and it's likely it'll just go away. So they'll do level one, like wait and see. And then I think they do that with level two also, but, um, level three and level four, they're going to, um, urge you to, you know, take some proactive steps towards preventing cervical cancer, which, um, typically they're going to tell you to do a leap procedure, which is like what it is, is basically like an electrical loop that they use to like burn off the abnormal cells. And, um, there's not a lot of information about a leap procedure. Like there's not a lot of information about, uh, treatments and the sexual side effects. So I remember Googling a leap procedure when I was like looking this stuff up and an article came up that like, um, women have lost their ability to orgasm because of a leap procedure. And it is really upsetting to me that sexual side effects aren't discussed when talking about these types of procedures. Because, like, we all know that if this was happening to men, it would become a huge deal. They would be finding something out. Like, the fact that insurance covers Viagra and Cialis, like, I, it blows my mind that, like, I don't know, women's health is so fucked up for a slew of reasons, 
and I'll go on that tangent in a couple minutes. But um, I would say investigate other options before getting a leap. I know there's also like cryotherapy. Well, the, you know, you could go in for a couple sessions where they'll freeze it off and that might be safer. I don't know. And then there's also a cone biopsy, which I think is like pretty hardcore and old school where they like use a knife (laughs) and um the reasons that like women's health are so fucked up I so when I was listening to this podcast will kill you I learned that like gynecology only started as a way to like to like eliminate not eliminate, but to treat STDs in sex workers because of um, the infections their male clients were getting. (laughs) So gynecology is like a branch of men's health, which is appalling and explains so fucking much. Like it explains so much about how awful, like, things like a speculum are and just how archaic like our bodies are treated during these uh these different like routines and so many of them are ancient and have not changed Uh, and that's why it's because no one ever really gave a fuck about women's health um so that's my HPV rant and I hope that it like equipped you guys with some more information about HPV um and you you don't feel afraid of it and also you don't like you're not ill-informed and (laughs) encouraging uh the men in your lives to get Gardasil 9. We could even say I'm also going to classify gynecolo- my little gynecology fact as the sex fact of the week because I think that that's worth knowing <laughs> how gynecology even got started. But um, thank you for joining me. Um, and if you stuck around this long, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> and now you know, I honestly like my internal monologue is so much better put together than how I sound when I'm talking out loud. Like it's like <laughs> in my head, I sound like a philosopher. And then when I start talking out loud, I'm like, you know how like eyes close when sex talk about it. <laughs> That's how I sound out loud. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I love you. It's not the same singing this without Amelia. Join us next week.